I think when you're sort of in that, that smaller kind of startup stage, you're probably a lot closer to your customers, right? They're a lot more tangible. You're, you're excited every time you get a new customer. And I think as your business grows and as they scale and as you add more layers of complexity and more departments, you can start to become process-centric and it becomes all about doing the thing rather than helping the customer. Welcome to Statements of Intent. In this 20-minute episode, we're addressing how e-commerce has lost sight of the people at its very heart. You, the customer. It's a chat that's optimistic, it's casual, it's probably slightly ranty in places, but that's okay. But it's a place where I talk to senior e-commerce marketers and share their statement of how they're looking to change the status quo of e-commerce, adding more care, being more considerate, to those very people that they're selling to the customer. I'm your host, David Mannheim, the founder of Made of Intent, and we're going to jump right into it. Have fun. Hi, everyone. And welcome to Statements of Intent. Today, joining me with this glorious beard and wonderful hairline is Mr. Ed Deason, uh, former head of customer experience at Wiggle, former head of global customer experience at Pretamandre. Is that right? That's the one. Amazing. So you know everything there is to know about how to treat customers correctly. It feels like you're a perfect guest to talk about this in more detail and add more color to it. Um, so let's dive right into it, Ed. Ed, what is your statement of intent today? My statement of intent is put people before process. Is that because it's alliterative? Oh, absolutely. I, I took it from a, I think there was a book I've been reading recently that has kind of a similar title. I just can't, I, I, can't think what it is right now. Available now from all good Amazon stores. Uh, there's only one Amazon store and it's not good. Uh, <laughs> put people before process. What do you, what do you mean by that? So I've, I've noticed a real trend recently and I'll talk about some personal experiences. I'll talk about sort of more widely as well. But I've noticed a real trend recently of businesses, particularly e-commerce, um, thinking about things from an internal business perspective rather than from an external, what are our customers trying to achieve perspective, right? Mm. So they go, we, we've got a process that customers need to follow. We've got a process by which we, I don't know, introduce new products. or We've got a process by which we do X. And it's very much business centric. This is how we do this thing, right? And they spend so much time doing that, they lose sight of what their customers are trying to achieve and trying to get done and therefore they provide really crappy customer experience as a result do you so, think that's a, a scale thing do you think that only happens in bigger businesses or do you think it's exacerbated the bigger you grow the more processes you have the further disconnected you are from customer yeah definitely i think when you're sort of in that that smaller kind of startup stage you're probably a lot closer to your customers right they're a lot more tangible you're you're excited every time you get a new customer and i think as your business grows and as they scale and as you add more layers of complexity and more departments you can start to become process centric and it becomes all about doing the thing rather than helping the customer i'm guessing you've experienced that I, we don't need to mention company names or brands, but I'm guessing that that's something that you feel inherently that happens with most businesses and that you've witnessed firsthand. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got I've got two examples in the last week, which is pretty terrible as it, as it goes. Oh, go on, tell us. And I and I, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about companies because I think it's useful sometimes to, to surface these things. So, um, or three companies. One was a good one, and, and two sort of not so great examples. Mm. So the good example was with Admiral Insurance. Right. And I, I've been a, a customer of theirs for a little while. And 
I was recently made redundant and I was updating my insurance policy to reflect, you know, employed, not employed, that sure. wonderful experience. <laughs> and, um, and, and I was going through my renewal anyway, so I got that all done. And I think a day later I received an email from them and it went, oh, hey, you, you renewed with us yesterday. We're really excited. We really appreciate it. But we've noticed we actually charged you from changing your employment status from employed to unemployed. Mm. Obviously, given the economic environment right now and actually just generally how that feels, we're not happy with that as a customer experience, right? You've been made unemployed. We don't think we should be charging you for that. Uh, so we're going to refund you, right? Totally proactive. Wasn't expecting it. Didn't even notice they'd done it in the first place, to be perfectly honest. And I was like, that's a great experience. I really appreciate that. They've, yeah. they've recognized there is a process for when people make amendments, not strictly employed to unemployed, but when they make amendments to their policy and they charge for them. And they've gone, actually, in this particular circumstance, the people focused thing to do is not charge people for it. The people right. focused thing to do, 100%. Yes. So being more human in your having empathy, I suppose, in your, or, you know, maybe your, your statements of putting people before process, that feels like a, a statement of empathy as opposed to um, the adverse of empathy. Um, intellect? No. Um, operation? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> some, some kind of amorphous thing that, yeah, kind of combines those. But it was the, it was the point that they've gone, okay, so we have a process. When people make amendments, we charge them. Yeah. Like pretty standard insurance stuff. And then they went, but if we're charging people for losing their jobs in the current economic climate, that's not okay. We don't feel okay about this. That's not people-centric. That's, that's process-centric. So we're going to do something about it. And, and this is the same company that uh, over COVID wrote to me and said, hey, look, we're going to refund some of your premiums because no one's really driving at the moment, right? So there's fewer people on the road. There's fewer accidents. We're paying out less in claims. So we're paying out less in claims. So you probably should pay a bit less for your insurance. Yeah. And as a result, I've gone... I can trust these guys. I can trust that they'll do the right thing. They'll think about the person at the end of the policy, if you like, mm -hmm. versus the, in the internal process. And what struck you most about that interaction? Was it the delight, the unexpected nature? Was it um, the fact that most companies don't offer that level of service and therefore they stood out? Was it the empathy that they provided in that interaction? What, uh, was it the tone? What were the things that made you really stand back and think, I like this. Yeah. I, I, so first of all, it was the consistency. It was the fact it was the second time they'd gone, oh, actually, we, we're making a bit of money here and we don't think we should. Mm. So I went, okay, they're consistent about this. This isn't the first time they've done this. And the other thing was um, that they'd taken the time to contact me proactively. I think a lot of businesses would perhaps recognize the same problem. So they'd go, oh, people who are being made redundant, losing their jobs, uh, are unhappy they're being charged. Okay, if they contact us, give them a refund. Yeah, and that, that is kind of typically what a lot of businesses would do. They'd go, right, reactively. If a customer contacts us, that's fine, give them a refund. Mm. What Admiral have gone and done is gone, well, actually, we don't want customers to reach out to us. They're already annoyed by that point. Just blank it, go out to them and tell them we're going to refund it. Job done. Don't need to wait. Don't need to generate more contacts into the contact centers. Don't need to wait for people to get frustrated about it. Just do it. Yeah, that's lovely. And you said you had a few other examples. That was obviously like a money orientated, like almost a transactional example. Have you got, what, what were your other two examples? Were they non-transactional? Uh, so another one was, so a not so great one, British Gas. I, uh, I bought sort of boiler cover with them uh, last year, had my boiler serviced. 
they called me again this year to book the servicing because I've got the kind of renewing uh, renewing cover. Absolutely fine. Great. Yeah, let's let's book in the boiler service. So they take me through the upsell spill. Would you like to cover your hob? Would you like to cover your oven? Would you like to cover your I don't know, radiators or gas fire or whatever? Yeah, and I was like, I'm, I, right now, I'm good, thanks. You know, um, and they're like, okay, great, no problem. Let's get the boiler service booked in. And then there's this really awkward pause as the, the the poor agent who's called me to book in my boiler service and upsell me all this stuff realizes that they haven't got any spaces in my area at all. Right. So he's gone through this upsell spiel. I've had to listen to it, going right. That's fine. It's fine. I'll get to the end of this. And I'll get my boiler booked in. And he's gone. Ah, uh, yeah. We um we actually we actually don't don't have any spaces to to get boiler booked in. <laughs> um, people. We'll call you back when we do. And and obviously I'm about. I think I'm about two weeks later. I'm still waiting. Interesting that the the spiel, which is clearly a script, which is clearly a process, came before the reason of you actually ringing them up, right? Well, they called me. They, that's that's what oh, was embarrassing about it. Yeah, that's the embarrassing. They called me to book in my service and couldn't fundamentally fulfill the function of the call. That makes it even worse, doesn't it? They oh, called you to fulfill a service that you have legitimately paid for. And instead of fulfilling that service, they started off the call, I'm assuming taking you through some level of security, but yeah. with a business operated spiel about upsell. Yeah. How do you think they've gotten to that stage? It's all process, isn't it? You know, it'll so uh, it'll be time to call a particular person. So it'll drop into the agent's queue, and the agent will say, "Right, I have to call Mister Decent today, and I have to offer him this, 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 and this." Now, at the end of the call, I can book in his service, mm. and so that's what's happened. He's followed the process, right? The business. But process. someone somewhere has turned around and said, "You know what would be great if we called up Ed or similar Eds, and instead of just saying uh, making the call very short and saying, would you like your service done, being done?'" next week, the week after, or never in your case. Why don't we upsell everything else that we offer first? Because that feels like a completely human thing to do. Someone has said that. How has that, that even got through the, I don't know, meandered through just empathy, just the emotional intelligence? And this, and this is it. They've got, it's, it's totally process-driven, isn't it? But there's a lot we can learn from, you know, you mentioned words like trust earlier. You mentioned things about smaller retailers, like those on Etsy, where you get a single order and you champion that order. That gets lost through something. In my book, The Person in Personalization, available now in your best Amazon stores, um, the, like I blame commerce for that. I blame greed. I blame the need for more is more. I blame VCs, uh, investment. Mm -hmm. uh, shaping people's perception away from the customer and more towards growth and scale. And again, the concept is more and more. What do you see it as? Do you see, if you're focused on process above people here, or your stories suggest so, that feels more like efficiency rather than greed or commercialism? I think there's... What's the enemy here, basically? Yeah. yeah, there's probably a bit of an overlap between sort of both elements. Part of it is that efficiency at all costs. Yeah, I, I, you know, I do agree. Oh, well, this is a chance to offer. Oh, this is a chance to offer X, offer Y, put this in their face. And I think if you think about the best retail experiences you've ever had, you know, in bricks and mortar, mm. yeah, when you walk into a shop and there's a sales assistant there, the first thing they do is not jam a 10% off 
offer in your face every time you try and look at a product, is it? You know, they don't follow you around the store trying to make you buy X thing or trying to get you add 26 to add 26 other things to your basket. First thing they do is go, what are you looking for today? How mm. can I help you today? Mm. Yeah. And I think this is, and I, and I think what what's that, that kind of process piece is we've lost that in translation from going from sort of bricks and mortar retail where every customer counts to this, like you say, sort of commercialized view, commoditized view of almost um, sales and transactions, which is cram as much as you possibly can in the customer's face and hope that they buy something. And in addition to that, I think there's the concept of more is more commercial and transactions. There's the concept of when it comes to efficiency, that's all about saving costs. So how can we save costs and by virtue give the customer experience, reduce the customer experience, you know, in that British Gas example. And then there's a third pillar that extrapolates both those things, and that's this. It's a human-to-screen relationship. It's you, you don't have that human relationship of, hi, can I help you today? So it's simulated. Mm. I mean, what are, you, what are your experience of uh, websites or apps that have, that like replicate that Brit awful British gas experience that you had? Oh, I think there's so many of them. I, and I was trying to sort of, I was having a bit of a think about this the other day. And it's, it's those kind of ones where the, where that, you know, that wretched sign up to our newsletter pop-up appears every single page you go to, yeah. saying, you know, just like that, you wouldn't get a retailer running in front of you holding a 10% off sale yeah, exactly every time you tried to look at a particular object they wouldn't cover it up would they it's crazy go, what would you yeah. like to know about this how can i help you with this would you and like yeah. to accept our cookies website yeah that's it and <laughs> i can imagine someone just trying to leave a cookies into your face in a retail environment <laughs> yeah in fact i think that would be a good pr story that could get you know quite a lot i'm open to trying it right <laughs> well obviously at pret that's that type of stuff would work right I yes. mean, speaking of prep, they're actually very well known for their customer experience. I've heard mm -hmm. rumors of, you know, they give away a coffee a day or some coffees a day uh, yeah. just for anybody who is nice to their staff um, and stuff like that. They mm -hmm. feel at least the perception is that they have a very good customer experience. They do. And it's and it's it's probably that humanization point. Right. So they do give away coffees and they do give away cakes and they do give away sandwiches. And it's called the joy of prep. Right. Uh, and what they essentially do is they say to all of their staff in their shops, doesn't matter who you are, um, basically you can give away up to X amount of food a day or a week, right? And it's up to you. If you want to give it away, give it away. If you don't that's really great. feel like giving it away, don't give it away. If you don't think there's anyone that's really sort of needs it today, don't do it today. That's absolutely fine. But they say, but if you've got someone who's, I don't know, they're dressed up and they're nervous and they look like they're probably going to a job interview, give them a free coffee right or someone who's obviously got a bit of you know mascara run and they're having a pretty rough day give them a cookie you know and and it really and you create this really human connection because it's 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 a very human uh, interaction it's the end mm. is that it's the person behind the tool going you know what you look like you could do with a coffee today here you go they feel good about it the customer feels good about it yeah there's some it's really, really great hidden advice creates there. those connections yeah yeah, there's some really great hidden advice of going to a prep in a suit, pretending you're at a job interview, <laughs> or putting mascara halfway run down your face, uh, noted for next time. And so my question is therefore, well, I have a couple of follow-up questions. How do you how do you simulate that level of human connection on a website? Have you ever seen 
such an example that you feel is a great customer experience in a human to screen relationship? Yeah, I definitely have. So you gave Etsy as an example. That's quite a good one, right? Where it feels like a really personal transaction. And really often the sellers will talk to you and they'll be like, oh, is there anything else? You know, can I help you with anything else? Is there anything you want to know? Or they'll stick a little goodie in the bag with it and all that kind of stuff, which is just nice, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because it's that much more sort of individual transaction. Um, but one that does it on a sort of bigger scale, and I've talked about them before, is Bloom and Wild. Mm. You know, I really think they've taken so much time to understand their customers and try and get to the bottom of what it is their customers are trying to achieve. You know, they think so, so carefully about their customer experiences. Um, the example I've used before is when I buy flowers for people, I don't like buying lilies. Yeah. Lilies are super toxic to dogs and cats. Mm. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is buy a bunch of flowers that are going to poison someone's pet. Cool. Yeah. So I, so I always, you've always got to know, don't add, you know, don't add lilies to the order or please avoid blah, blah, blah. Or you've got to hunt through the website to try and find the bouquets about lilies or whatever it is. I was setting up a, like a recurring order with Blue and Wild recently. And they've got a little box that simply says, don't put lilies in my order. They're toxic to dogs and cats. Um, you know, we, we know they are, so we won't include them. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and their whole, the whole experience is littered with little examples like that. And you go, they've really, really, really taken the time to understand what their customers need and want. Yeah. I love it. That's really nice. Sometimes that can be communicated really well in language. I find, do, do you have a pet at all, by the way? Uh, dogs and cats. <laughs> You've got dogs and cats. Do you yeah. ever use butternut box? No. Have you ever seen or, or been through the button up box process? I, I actually saw your example on no, uh, LinkedIn. Don't ruin it for people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I feel as though you can simulate empathy with language. So in the button up box process, it is a product quiz of, you know, tell us about your dog and, you know, he, she, breed, size, forgive me. I don't have a dog, so I don't, I don't know the exact questions that they ask. The very first question they ask is, what is your dog's name? And there is no need to ask that question. It doesn't bear any weighting on the output of the recommendations that they're the products that they're going to recommend to you. But boy, does it allow them to create a connection with you? Because now, in all of their uh, questions, they, they won't ask, um, "Is you know, uh, is it a boy or a girl?" They'll say, "Is Casey a boy or a girl?" And that feels like they're trying to simulate a relationship between you or through you and your dog. Mm. Pet. I think that's a wonderful example of creating a human connection and a human screen relationship. Uh, it's really nice. So may I ask, like when you when you did move to Wiggle, um, what were some of the values that you tried to impart there uh, when you were championing people over process? Yeah, okay. So it's a good question. So I think you know, I'll talk contact center because it's an easy one to start with, right? So I started, I was responsible for the contact center there and the focus was on productivity, really. Mm. Well, they were just coming off a kind of a productivity drive, right? It was all about answering as many contacts as you possibly can per hour. Yeah. All about process, all about get out of the door, 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 rather than a focus on Take the time to understand what the customer wants. Take the time to emphasize. Take the time to understand what it is that they're trying to achieve so that they have a better experience. Because the worst thing, we've all been there, right, is when you write something to a customer service team, they miss the point entirely or they miss the one salient bit of information and just go back with a generic process. This is how you make a return. 
I wasn't really asking you how to make a return. I was telling you I need to return it before X date because it's someone's birthday. I can work out how to make a return. What I really need to know is can you get it to me soon enough? Yeah, interesting. You know? And you, and when you when they miss those elements, when they focus on the the the, how the process, here's how to make a return versus here's why I need to make a return. You end up with these transactional, unsatisfactory, disappointing experiences. Mm. Surely there's a balance between the two, though, because you'll be measured or the, that team will be measured on how many tickets they satisfy per day, for example. How do, you, how do you balance the two when you know full well that the more time it takes to be empathetic, the uh, least, less likely you are to hit those, those numbers? Yeah. And it's a fair question. There's, there's always going to be an element of productivity, right? But you've got to think about it in terms of, a, I hate the term, balance scorecard, right? <laughs> you've got to think about it in terms of what, what are the other things we're trying to achieve? Because we're not really trying to achieve an email out or 12 emails out and out. What we're really trying to achieve is happy customers. So what is the most important thing we can do to make sure we get happy customers? Sure. Speed of response is part of that. Yeah. So they like to receive response in a timely manner. So there's an element of productivity. What they want is their problem solved first time. What they want is the answers they were looking for. What they want is a bit yeah. of empathy, right? So do those things as well. So don't don't make the only metric how many can you respond to in an hour. Yeah. So I guess it's reframing the purpose of what that metric uh means to the rest of the business and introducing yeah. other metrics that are more qualitative, more long termism, more well, more customer centric, really. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, and if you, if the problem is, if you're focused solely on productivity and you churn out all these emails, right? How late of them are going to come back because you haven't really got the point? Yeah. And actually, so you're causing more work, you're generating more dissatisfaction rather than actually making customers happier because you've responded quicker. I love it. Well, Ed, look, thank you. This is just a nice 20 minute, almost a rant in some instances <laughs> uh, or ramble. Uh, but something that's lovely and alliterative obviously I'm a big fan uh, thank you very much for your time I appreciate it if anybody does want to find you to rant as a as a fellow believer in this where can they find you uh, look me up on LinkedIn please yeah Ed Deason MBE sir MBE MBA it'd be great <laughs> if we're an MBE not an MBE yeah <laughs> watch this face okay thank you very much for your time I appreciate it thank you very much there we have it. Thank you so much for listening. Please do like, subscribe, and share on whatever platform it is that you're listening to on today. This show comes from the team behind Made With Intent, the customer intent platform for retailers. If you are, of course, interested in being more profitable whilst being more personal, then please feel free to check us out at madewithintent.ai. Thanks again for listening and joining us on our mission to change how e-commerce sees, measures, and treats their customers. I've been your host, David Mannheim. Have a great day.